This is the Power Aesthetic Podcast. I'm Paul Wagoner, and today I want to talk about friendship. Friends and friendship is something that I write about a lot. Um, I, I talk about a lot, and I um, I post about a lot because I think that it's uh, its value is mainly self-evident. I think to many people who have experienced real friendship, but I also believe that, like many other good things. It is a disappearing resource, a scarce resource. I think that the world we live in nowadays is such that it drives wedges between people. Uh, it, it encourages sort of nuclear existence. Uh, every new sort of advance in technology and all the rest of this kind of stuff generally tends to, uh, although it can bring us together with people from far away and so on, it, it tends to create strangers under the same roof in a lot of ways where people are always busy with their phones or, or this or that. And that I think we, we need to get back to a resacralization of this term friendship, to me a, a very holy word. You know, there are lots of likable people on planet Earth. And I think that normal people or, or sort of the, the run-of-the-mill people, they look at someone, they like that person, they have a, an acquaintance with that person that, say, goes beyond just working together or whatever, and they say, yeah, this is my friend. Uh, that ain't it, man. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that we have to come up with at least our own criteria of this, our own definition of this, because in a world where the man who's friends with everyone is friends with no one. He, you know, who, people who say they love everyone or want universal love or get along with everyone, uh, they don't love anyone. If something isn't reserved, it's not powerful. Uh, and there's a lesson there in, in, in many different areas. Uh, a mother who loves everyone's children as much as she loves her own is a shitty mom. Uh, and, and also an individual who has a massive group of people, all of whom he calls friend, uh, is a shitty friend. The criteria also can't simply be an antonym of the word enemy. It certainly is in many ways the opposite of an enemy, but it's not only that. You know, I've developed some criteria over the years and and have learned, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff the hard way. Um, I've talked a little bit before, and and those of you that don't know me, you know, I've been in in gangs of youths and men my whole life. Quite literally, my whole life from the time I was a child, I, I remember uh, some of you guys have maybe read my article on my website, uh, Yakuza, which is about growing up in a small town in the Midwest and, and creating this small gang of, uh, of kids and, and <laughs> raising hell and being little bastards, basically, and stealing and trading cigarettes and stuff with the neighborhood kids, making alcohol, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we were doing this, my older brothers and I, when I was very little. And having older brothers really instilled in me a sense of that brotherhood and of wanting that in some form or another for the rest of my life. Um, even if I wasn't around them, I wanted to feel that. Um, I always knew that a group of men is very, very powerful together, even if it's only three or four, that one person alone uh, is, is not. And... Uh, one of my buddies was just reading the other night a quote from the Epic of Gilgamesh and Gilgamesh and Enkidu. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but they're going to kill this uh, this demon protector of the cedar forest. And uh, they both at various points are getting frightened 
and, and then egging each other on with these courageous words of friendship. And one of the things that they say back and forth to each other is that two ships lashed together cannot sink. And I really like that a lot. And um, I thought that was a really powerful quote. So as I've gotten older, friends are, are a gang and, and I believe should function as such. And what I mean by that is that I think that there needs to be criteria, there needs to be defined in and out in order to have valuable friendships. There has to at least be understandings and reciprocity on the table. Uh, otherwise, you have acquaintances uh, and parasites in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people that if you're a strong or powerful individual or you have a lot of resources, they will attach themselves to you like barnacles on a ship uh, and they may flatter you and uh, smile at you and all the rest of this kind of stuff. But like it says in the Havamal, uh, you know, not all who laugh and, and flatter you are your friends and you find that out sometimes the hard way. So let's talk about this a little bit. Straight out of the box, my definition of friendship centers around loyalty and loyalty over everything. Uh, is this the kind of person who will bail on me in a bad situation? And, and in bad situation, I mean everything that I've been exposed to in my life, whether that was um, getting jumped by a bunch of people or whether that was people keeping their mouth shut in order to uh, you know, avoid incarceration or whatever it was. Is this a person that I could trust not to rat on me to a, even if his alternative was to be incarcerated himself? These are extreme uh, criteria right away. And I believe that this is correct. I think that criteria for friendships, established friendships should be extreme. Uh, if you cannot trust someone to have your back in any of the storms that can arise in this world, which is often dangerous, then they are not worthy of that title of friendship and you should save it for someone who is. You know, I remember, I, I probably told this story before, but I remember one time I, I was getting into an altercation outside of a show. Um, I think it was a Marduk show and uh, yeah, maybe not, but some, some band, this is in the mid early 2000s. And, you know, we got into an altercation outside with a bunch of people and I had, you know, two or three people with me was outnumbered as per usual. And, uh, you know, was game to fight, but definitely knew, okay, here we go. We're going to take some, some pretty serious licks here and hopefully get out of this situation in one piece. And as myself and a couple of the other people that were there, uh, one of whom was a female friend uh, who, was, who was there and not backing out of the situation, uh, despite how stupid that may have been for her, uh, I looked over to my right to one of the guys that was with me. And as I looked over my shoulder to where I was expecting him to be there shoring me up, he was halfway across the parking lot running for his truck. Needless to say, that was the end of that friendship. But people will do you like that. Um, and so you need to, to create that kind of trust in the relationship. The second is, and this sort of goes with loyalty, all, all these really go with loyalty at the end of the day, which is why it's rule number one. But the second one is this someone I could trust around my woman or my kids alone. Real friends, true friends do not look at their friends, women or girlfriends as sexual objects of desire or objects of sexual desire. Uh, this is just the facts. If you are a good friend, you draw the line there and you draw an incredibly hard line there. Your your friends, girlfriends, wives, uh, even women that they have dated in the past. In, in my friend group, these things are considered completely and totally off limits. In other words, if one of my friends dates someone for anything longer than, you know, a fling, nobody else in the crew is ever going to date that person. 
Um, there, there are a couple of notable exceptions in, in a few cases, but as a general rule, and, and what I mean by that is if permission is granted or gained or whatever, and there's a mutual understanding between all parties, then maybe that's not the end of the world. It's not something that I personally would do. Uh, but in the event of someone being still attached, if you look with any kind of sexual desire at that person, you're sort of breaking rule number one. Uh, that should be completely off limits and out of your mind. And you need to do whatever you need to do to make sure that's the case. A man who can't trust his friends around his woman, even if you say, Hey, you know, I'm going out of town. Let me get you to take my old lady out to the movies or something like that. You should be able to do that and to be able to trust that person to keep conversations appropriate, um, and to keep energy levels appropriate and to be able to honor you and respect you by doing you a favor like that, that you don't even have to ask or, or have any concerns about that at all. Uh, ditto for being around your kids. Uh, I, I mean, obviously this goes without saying, but if you have a friend and you wouldn't really want him around your kids, that's not your friend. There's a lot of reasons why you might not want somebody around your kids. And I'm not just talking about the obvious, you know, it doesn't have to be a sexual predator. There's just some people that you might not want around your kids. Maybe it's the way that they talk. Maybe it's the way that they act or whatever, but whatever it is, if you can't trust them to be around your kids, to watch your kids and to act as a positive example to your kids, then honestly, they're not worth being friends with. Um, you know, you have to, <laughs> there was a guy I met early on when I moved to Virginia, a great big bastard. The, the guy benched, Taurus Peck bench pressing 500 pounds, very fucking huge. Um, really fun guy to be around, super fun guy to party with, um, you know, in a lot of ways, salt to the earth. But, you know, he would always say, trust me with your life, not your money or your wife. And I always knew that this dude was never going to be somebody that went beyond a friendly acquaintance for me because someone who would say that about themselves, uh, at least he was honest, <laughs> but that kind of honesty I can do without in my life. I can do without those kind of people in my life. The third thing to look at is, are they an asset? Uh, wh what is their network? What are their skills? What are their abilities? What are their interests? Every single person that's considered for your gang of friends should be someone who brings something to the table in order to involve themselves in the rule of reciprocity. If you are doing a lot for your circle of friends, your circle of friends needs to be doing a lot for you and for each other. Uh, these are just the unbreakable bonds and rules of, of friendship. If they come to the table with a lot of resources, that's good. They have to check all these other boxes too, but People can come and they can be loyal and that's a great start for a friendship because people can build networks, they can, they can learn skills, they can become an asset. So that's the most important one, but it's best if they are self-starters and they have the ability to make themselves an asset. Uh, people who have trouble self-starting and who you're always kind of having to, excuse me, to, to push into... Uh, various endeavors. You know, if you're, if you feel like you're having to always push them to raise the bar, that friend is probably going to be a pain in the ass for you forever. <laughs> you, you know, not everybody in the crew is going to be, uh, alpha type ace number one, whatever the fuck terms people are using for it, whatever hustle and grinder set people are using. They're not all going to be that, but they need to be self starters on the things that they're interested in and they need to have interests and they need to be, let's say, interesting. You know, people who don't really do anything, um, who aren't either creative or, or maybe they're, you know, they're a good fighter or they train a lot or whatever it is, they need to bring something to the table so that you can be like, oh, this guy's this guy for our crew. Four is, uh, it kind of ties in well with that. Are, are they attempting to live a glorious life? 
You know, what, what are these people trying to do with themselves? A lot of this you can figure out by what they talk about. What do they focus on? What do they spend a lot of their downtime on? If they're always watching sports and like wearing a jersey with some, uh, some dude's name on it or whatever, and, and they always want to talk about people, drama, entertainment, or whatever, not that those things can never be discussed, but that if that's kind of all they bring to the table, they're, they're maybe needing a recalibration. You and your friends should all be pushing each other onward toward glory, righteous acts, um, and, and strength. You should be acting as a, a bolstering force to each other, uh, even if sometimes that love can be tough. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of tough love in my friend group. And it, this isn't to say that every single dude is a Neanderthal with no emotional capacity. It's not true at all. Um, These are guys with a lot of emotional intelligence and a lot of self-awareness, but we know that in a group of friends, most of the time pressure is, as they say, what makes diamonds cliche, but true. It's pressure on each other that keeps us striving toward greatness. There are definitely times to be, you know, uh, empathetic to show a softer side of yourself and you have to have enough social awareness to know when that's necessary or when somebody needs to get smacked upside the head and be told, Hey, get the fuck over yourself. And you know, let's get this shit done. You know, the the next one is, do do you share fundamental values? This is a good rule for all relationships, but you have to share fundamental values. You can debate and disagree on, on what movie you're going to go see that weekend or whatever it is, but you need to have, um, congruence and you need to have consonance with your friend group on fundamental values. Uh, what, what maybe a lot of people would, would call politics, but I would call values because politics has a lot of like other dirty connotations, but you definitely need to have your fundamental values in line with the people that you're spending your time with, because these are the things that will ultimately make up your, your group. It's what's going to make up your sort of reason for being, Um, If you have righteous values and high-minded ideals and things like this, these are going to be the reasons that you're pushing each other and and striving towards whatever it is. You know, if if you got friends and they're anti-family or they're, you know, they're anti, you know, whatever it is, oh, wow, I'm not a joiner, blah, 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 blah. Being a friend is being a joiner. You know, (laughs) my buddy uh, Gunnar in in my crew is always saying that people could use a whole lot less individualism in their lives. And I I used to buck at that when I was younger and he would say that he'd be like, oh, look at me, I'm an individual. But there is a certain amount of ridiculousness in people who are constantly trying to flex on their individualism, their individuality, because, you know, you're not necessarily a unique snowflake. There are going to be things about you that are individual in combination, but they're not individual to you. You're not the first person to feel this way or that way. And that people who are hardline individualists, rugged individualists who, who aren't joiners are usually people who can't exist in a group like that. Um, there are even popular authors who, who have written like a lot of words about uh, men in gangs and, and how to how to do that and all the rest and use the word tribe exhaustively. But what you'll find is that a lot of people who talk about this shit can't actually do it because they fucking suck at being members of social groups because they're selfish, they're, they're narcissistic, they don't share common fundamental values, you know, and this is true of a lot of people that have been in and out of our organization is that they come in 
and they, they say they want to be committed to something, but then you realize they're actually not willing to give up these little things that they think are their little special whatever it is, the, the things that they, they fucking love about themselves in the mirror or have deceived themselves into believing, and they refuse to give that up for a greater good or a greater ideal. And I think that this is a massive weakness and oftentimes comes from a sense of personal inferiority and the idea that if you join a group of powerful men that you are going to get lost in the shuffle and that you'll be swallowed up by the greater group. And that is true. You will be if you do not rise to the occasion and continue to shine brighter and brighter so that you can add your light to the constellation rather than being jealous of the light of the other stars in the constellation. So the, the final thing to, to look at here, though, is that, okay, these are all great. Straight out of the box, you're not going to have friends who go, I'll go to prison for you. And if you do, that's pretty fucking weird. If you guys haven't hung out that much and they go brother, I would take an arrow for you in the shield wall and, you know, buy your beard oils and whatever the fuck like this, this like weird modern Instagram Viking masculinity garbage is all this like, I call everyone my brother, I respect all and fear none and all this kind of bullshit. Well, if you respect all, it's pretty fucking ridiculous, but also like not all men are your brother. You know, it's good, like I said in the last one, uh, it's good to exercise compassion, but it's important to remember that in this world, not all are on a righteous path. And some people want to harm you. They want to take things away from you. They want to fuck you over. They want to hustle you or do something to someone that you love that you will not stand for. Not every man is your brother. And if you, if you view people as that, then you don't have any brothers. You don't understand what that is about. How do we build friendships like this? The answer is like so many things found in fucking bodybuilding. <laughs> the answer to that is time under tension. Time under tension is what creates powerful friendships. The reason most people's friendships are untested and they would tell you, oh, no, 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 we're really good friends. We're really tight. And then in a moment they realize, oh, shit, man, this dude fucked my old lady or he, you know, he, he sold me up the river and, or he snitched on me or whatever it was. It's because those friendships are untested. There is no way to know the structural integrity of something without testing it. And even the banal, you know, even, you know, your day-to-day should be a test. You know, in, in our organization, we have check-ins. You're, you're always checking in. You're checking in from the gym. You're checking in from training. You know, you're, you're displaying to the guys every single day your value because yesterday doesn't mean shit. It's about today and it's about testing the other guys by pressuring them constantly to not rest on yesterday's laurels, to be better today than you were yesterday, to be moving forward toward a realization of an ideal that you're working on together. And during that time, things will get tested. Pressure tests will occur. And these kinds of pressure tests, as well as especially shared hardship and mutual suffering, they will occur. Your friends will die. You'll go through horrible situations. You'll go through brutal situations. And the friends that stick with you and suffer through that shit with you are going to be the ones that stand the test of time. And the ones that are not tested are going to be the ones that are probably going to run at the first sight of some kind of hardship. This is a really, really dramatic and extreme quote, and I disagree with a great deal of this writer's uh, personal life and some of his beliefs, but I read this the other day. I've enjoyed a lot of his writing, especially Sun and Steel, and this was a quote from uh, Yukio Mishima that I came back to, 
and and they although it is very romantic and maybe a bit over the top i think it's beautiful and i'm going to leave you with this one today only through the group i realized through sharing the suffering of the group could the body reach that height of existence that the individual alone could never attain and for the body to reach that level at which the divine might be glimpsed a dissolution of individuality was necessary the tragic quality of the group was also necessary the quality that constantly raised the group out of the abandon and torpor into which it was prone to lapse, leading it to an ever-mounting shared suffering and so to death, which was the ultimate suffering. The group must be open to death, which meant, of course, that it must be a community of warriors. Guys, spend your time doing valuable things. Perhaps one of the most valuable is building a community of warriors and building a family within that. I'll talk to you soon.